The AOC squad takes retaliatory measures against President Trump. Trump declares victory. And Bernie Sanders is fading down the stretch. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Victory. And Bernie Sanders is fading down the stretch. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All right, it's been a long day already. The reason that it has been a long day already, I'm, I don't mean to bore you with details in my personal life. Suffice it to say that I only fell asleep around one o'clock in the morning because I came home yesterday afternoon and we went to our little guest house out in the back. And it turns out that we had a main line backup. And that meant that sewage was spilling all over the floor. So insurance claim, complete replacement of the floor in the, in the guest house. The reason I say this is because it was a total crap show. And that provides a transition to today's political show. Because just as my guest house was filled with open sewage, so too is modern American politics. So you will last recall that when we left our riveting story, the AOC-Nancy Pelosi battle had devolved into a Donald Trump versus everybody battle because President Trump decided to jump in on Sunday and suggest that a bunch of Congress people should go back to their home countries. The only problem being that the vast majority of the people he was talking about were born right here in the United States. Also, telling people to go back to their countries is typically not a non-racial, non-xenophobic thing to do. So it was a bad comment by the president of the United States. But if there is one thing that we can count on in today's politics is that if somebody jumps on a rake, their political opponent will immediately find a larger and dumber rake to jump upon. If Donald Trump says to AOC, hold my beer, AOC will immediately turn back to him and say, no, you hold my beer. And so late last night, about 2 p.m. Pacific time, about 5 p.m. Eastern, the squad, the so-called squad, this would be AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and then the Ringo star of the Beatles, Ayanna Presley, they decided to hold a press conference and their press conference was designed to go after President Trump. Now, President Trump somehow may have been able to pull victory out of the jaws of defeat that he had pulled out of the jaws of victory, right? So... To reverse engineer this Russian doll of politics. Basically, he had a victory. AOC and Nancy Pelosi were going at each other with hatchets. And then he pulled defeat out of those jaws by inserting himself and making xenophobic comments. And then he was able to pull victory out of that because AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and Ayanna Presley are truly unlikable, truly unpopular. And that is not coming from just my partisan conservatism. That is coming via poll data. So just a day before all of this broke out, Mike Allen of Axios reported that internal Democratic polls showed that the more people saw of AOC, the less they liked Democrats. This is according to Axios. Democrats are sounding the alarm that swing voters know and dislike socialism, warning it could cost them the House and the presidency. The poll is making the rounds of some of the most influential Democrats in America. If all voters hear about is AOC, it could put the House majority at risk, said a top Democrat involved in 2020 congressional races. She's getting all the news and defining everyone else's races. The poll was taken in May before Pelosi even went at it with AOC and the rest of the squad. By the way, is there anything more obnoxious in politics than people terming themselves the squad? I remember it was obnoxious when we had the Gang of Eight. Like they were walking around like the Jets in West Side Story talking about immigration. But now we actually have the squad, which apparently comes directly from Mean Girls. So you've got the, the kind of lead character who throws her hair over her shoulder. That's AOC. And then you've got the quiet, smart one. And that would be Rashida Tlaib. And then you got the one who sends mean notes to everybody. That's Ilhan Omar. And then you just have the one who's just sort of there. And that's Ayanna Presley. So the squad was polled, okay? And there was a poll, and what it showed is it included 1,003 likely general election voters who are white and have two years or less of college education. So that would be a crowd that Democrats do need to win. 
These are the white non-college voters who embraced Trump in 2016, but Democrats need in those swing house districts, according to Axios. The group that took the poll shared the results. Here were the findings. AOC was recognized by 74% of voters in the poll. 22% had a favorable view. So brutal numbers. Ilhan Omar, another member of the squad, because they're so cool, man. They're so cool. They pass notes, and they're on the cheerleading team, and they're also part of Model UN. They're the best. Ilhan Omar was recognized by 53% of the voters. 9%, not a typo, says Mike Allen, had a favorable view. So nobody likes AOC, nobody likes Ilhan Omar. So Trump, by picking a fight with these people, may have done himself a service in the end, even though he did it in the dumbest possible way. Why? Because the more people see of these folks, the less they like them. And the more they are linked to the Democratic hoax, the less people are likely to vote for Democrats. So that's why President Trump has basically shifted his tactic, as we'll see, from go back to your home country to if you don't like the country, then leave, right? which is a non-xenophobic, non-racist pitch. It's not a particularly pro-First Amendment pitch. I mean, how do you distinguish between criticism of the country that is legitimate and criticism of the country that is illegitimate? How do you decide who should leave and who shouldn't? I mean, President Trump has criticized the country. Should he leave? I mean, it's, it's sort of a weak argument overall, but it does have an emotional resonance when you have people who speak about America in general, the way AOC and Ilhan Omar and Tlaib and Ayanna Presley talk about America as a place rife with horror, as a place that is rooted and steeped in evil and xenophobia and cruelty. It's particularly galling coming from Ilhan Omar, who was taken in by this country. If you were taken in by the country because you came from a place that was truly a hellhole, and Somalia is a hellhole. She spent years in a, in a refugee camp in Kenya. It's hard to describe that as anything else than a hellhole. And then she comes to the greatest country on the planet and is elected to Congress. And then you talk about how terrible the country is. A lot of people are going to say, just leave then. You don't like it, just go. Right? And then that is what Trump is now trying to morph his original xenophobic tweets into. And that one has a lot more emotional resonance, even though intellectually speaking, we shouldn't be playing the game of you disagree with me, so you should leave. Right. So in a second, we're going to get to AOC and the squad really shooting themselves in the foot because this is now what we have. We have a competition for who can shoot themselves in the foot the most. We'll get to that in just a second. First, let me tell you something. I work out a lot. Okay, I work out every single day, which is why I am ripped beyond your possible imagination. But here is the thing. I want my workout clothes to be as comfortable and as practical as possible. No bull. It's a footwear, apparel, and accessory brand I've been looking for. And I just got these shoes from No Bull. Check these things out. Look at these kicks. I mean, that is some stylish stuff right here. Look at that flexibility as well. But check out those kicks. They have great stuff over at No Bull. Okay, they've got the simple design, but the simple design isn't the whole deal. No Bull's gear is built to perform. Launched in 2015, No Bull has disrupted the fitness industry. They have a practical philosophy. Don't put anything on that doesn't do anything. Take everything off that you don't need. Be honest about what the product does. That's what No Bull does. Their training gear is designed to perform for you when and where you need them. That's it. So if you're ready to challenge your gear the way you challenge yourself, go to nobullproject.com slash Shapiro today. For people who put in the work day after day, visit nobullproject.com slash Shapiro. Check out their training gear. That is N-O-B-U-L-L-P-R-O-J-E-C-T, nobullproject.com slash Shapiro and check out their training gear. It does all awesome stuff. I've got the shorts, I've got the shirt. The gear is just great. You're going to love it. Nobleproject.com backslash Shapiro. So go check them out right now. Okay, so President Trump jumps into it and all of yesterday, all we hear about is every Republican being asked whether he's a racist, whether he's a xenophobe. And then the squad take the stage. And here's the thing about the squad. The squad are very popular in their own minds. They're very popular among a particularly cliquish segment of American society. 
that segment, by the way, is not minority America. So the, the idea that the squad is deeply approved of inside minority America is not particularly true. The people who really love the squad are the writers over at Vox. They're the people over at the New York Times editorial board. They're the people who are an upper, upper class white liberal enclave. So those are the people who love the squad because they're photogenic and because they speak truth to power and because they clap back, man, they clap back. They shoot with fire. They're just fire all the time. Okay, that, that's who loves these folks. No one else does, as it turns out. The statistics on them, garbage. So let's say you're Nancy Pelosi and let's say that Donald Trump steps directly in it. What would be your next move? Really, strategically speaking, what you want to do is minimize these four being at the front of your party while at the same time pointing out that Donald Trump just once again said something xenophobic and in Nancy Pelosi's view racist. So you'd want to highlight that. So maybe what you do is you hold a press conference where the squad is there, but Nancy Pelosi does the talking to show unity, right? That's what you would want to do. Also, there's something, there's something that is, that is deep, deeply off-putting about the I'm a victim routine you see from so many members of Congress where somebody is insulted. And then it's like, I'm going to do a press conference talking about how victimized and insulted I am. And look at me standing up to my aggressor. Listen, there are plenty of people who are out there coming out of the woodwork defending the squad. Them defending themselves actually looks pretty opportunistic, politically speaking. So the squad immediately decide, you know what would be a great idea? We're going to go out there and we're going to be so radical and off-putting that we make Donald Trump's if you don't like America leave message sound kind of plausible. That's what the squad just did yesterday. So they started off, and it wasn't that bad, so they started off with their, their little press conference and they started off on sort of the right track, politically speaking, talking about all of the things they love about America, which is that they are here, apparently. That's pretty much it. Um, and they talk about the inclusivity of America. So here is AOC leading this thing off. This thing starts off on the rails and then it goes quickly, wildly off the rails. So here is AOC yesterday saying this country belongs to everyone and Trump's non-unifying message is alienating people. The first note that I want to tell children across this country is that no matter what the president says, this country belongs to you and it belongs to everyone. And today, that notion, that very notion was challenged. This weekend, that very notion was challenged. So I am not surprised when, a, when the president says that four sitting members of Congress should, quote, go back to their own country when he has authorized raids without warrants on thousands of families across this country. Okay, so she starts off with this. And listen, it's disingenuous, obviously. She talks about Trump being divisive. This is a lady who has suggested that we have concentration camps on our border. This is a woman who has defended anti-Semitism in her own caucus. Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib are open anti-Semites. Ayanna Presley, the Ringo star of this band, she's standing off to the side. Over the weekend, she suggested that if you don't agree with her and you're black, you're not actually black. Or if you don't agree with Ilhan Omar and you're Muslim, you're not actually Muslim. Or if you don't agree with the Democratic Party agenda and you're gay, you're not actually gay. And then you got AOC talking about it's only Donald Trump who's divisive. So listen, everybody knows what this game is and everybody understands the game, especially because Nancy Pelosi came out yesterday, the Speaker of the House, and said, we're going to pass a resolution going after the president of the United States and his bigotry and his xenophobia and his racism. Right? She said this yesterday. Well, oddly enough, Nancy Pelosi couldn't even do that when it was members of her own party. Almost as though accusations of bigotry made by members of Congress are completely a matter of political convenience. And no one is consistent about labeling bad stuff when they see bad stuff in Congress, almost as though this is all partisan ridiculousness and it's all going to get tuned out by next week. And so AOC starts off with this country belongs to her, but 
She's messaging correctly. And then she says, we're not leaving because we're not going to leave the things we love. She has yet to define the things in America that she loves, but apparently there are things. I am not surprised at what he's doing. But I also know that we're focused on making it better because we don't leave the things that we love. And when we love this country, what that means is that we propose the solutions to fix it. Okay, so this is the, I love my country and I'm going to fix it. That's fine, except that that's not the language that these four have been using. They keep using the language that America is awful, terrible, no good, very bad. But again, this is the correct message. And then AOC says, listen, weak minds challenge our loyalty. I will generally agree with that statement. I will also point out that Ilhan Omar has questioned the loyalty of any American who supports Israel. AOC has suggested you're a bad American if you disagree with her. Ayanna Presley over the weekend suggested that you are a disloyal black person, Muslim, or gay person if you don't agree with her. So you don't get to throw around charges of dual loyalty and then object when other people throw around charges that you are not loyal to the country. Here is AOC, however, making this case. Weak minds and leaders challenge loyalty to our country in order to avoid challenging and debating the policy. This president does not know how to make the argument that Americans do not deserve health care. He does not know how to defend his policies. So what he does is attack us personally. Okay, she literally attacked Nancy Pelosi as a racist five minutes ago. Five minutes ago. So none of this rings true, but it is politically smart, right? This is the only smart move that they have made. And there's a little bit more of this. Ayanna Presley then suggests that people shouldn't take the bait. We shouldn't follow President Trump down this rabbit hole. Here's Ayanna Presley, the Ringo star of the socialist Beatles here. I encourage the American people and all of us in this room and beyond to not take the bait. This is a disruptive distraction from the issues of care, concern, and consequence to the American people, that we were sent here with a decisive mandate from our constituents to work on. Okay, so this is correct. Okay, so so far they've they've said all of this is correct. Uh, you know, this is this is basically when I say correct, I mean correct in the politically motivated direction. And then Ilhan Omar, she says, listen, when I'm criticizing America and saying America sucks and it's a terrible, horrible, racist, no good, very bad place, it's because it comes from extreme love. It's because I love America. Uh huh. Here's Ilhan Omar saying this: Every single statement that we make is from a place of extreme love for every single person in this country. It is part of the mandate of why we ran for office and why we got elected. Except the Jews. (laughs) Okay, so they start off, and this is their message. And the message is Donald Trump is a very mean man who says mean things and makes the country not unified. Okay, that is the correct political take. And then the train begins to derail, and you see that front wheel slip off the rails just a little bit. And soon it's chasing Harrison Ford down the side of the track as he jumps into a ravine trying to escape his shackles. This is how the fugitive begins. Okay, so Ilhan Omar leads it off because Omar is the one who can control herself the least among the among this group. And when I say she can control herself the least, I mean she says the most radical things. She says the most ridiculous things. She's the most openly anti-Semitic. She can't contain her own disdain for fundamental American institutions and for Americans more broadly. There's a reason that she has a 9% approval rating among non-college-educated whites. And there's a reason that, by the way, broadly speaking, she is not popular among Americans because she is deeply off-putting. And that is not a matter of her race. Ayanna Presley is nowhere near as off-putting as Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar is uniquely off-putting 
in the way that she talks about this stuff. So she says that President Trump, he's a white nationalist. That's where she gets. So here's where the, the here's where the squad moves from. President Trump said a bad, xenophobic, racist thing. And we don't like that because America's a great place full of unity and we're all part of the same family. This is where they move from there to Trump's a white nationalist. Anybody who supports him is a white nationalist. He's evil. He's a sexual abuser. And we should impeach him. And Trump's just sitting there going, OK, fine. You want this fight like me versus you guys? Let's do this thing. And this is where Trump is sitting back and grinning like a Cheshire cat. Because all pres- President Trump has a unique gift. He's the unique gift of turning everybody else into President Trump. So <laughs> it's, it's like a magic superpower. It's amazing. So he says something really Trumpy. And then he makes his opponents, instead of using any sort of poise, any sort of moderation, he then gets them to outdo him and make him look like the not crazy person in the room. So here is, the, so here is Ilhan Omar saying that this is all the agenda of white nationalists. Well, the recent tweets and words from the president are simply a continuation of his racist and xenophobic playbook. This is the agenda of white nationalists. This is a disruptive distraction from the issues of care, concern, and consequence okay. to the American so people. You can hear it. So Tlaib's comment is more on point. Ayanna Presley's comment is smart. And then Ilhan Omar's like, he's a Nazi. And everybody in the country is going, okay, Really? Really, he's a Nazi. That's that's where we're going with this. This is the agenda of white nationalists. You guys tried this before. It's not going to work. Really, that, that's that's the direction you're moving. And Ilhan Omar, going where angels fear to tread, right? She she immediately charges into the fray, clubbing herself in the face repeatedly with a political hammer. She says President Trump colluded with Russia. Again, there's a whole Mueller report on this thing. He did not collude with Russia. Here she is going right off those rails, man. This president who has been credibly accused of committing multiple crimes, including colluding with foreign government to interfere with our election. This is a president who has overseen the most corrupt administration in our history and pursued an agenda to allow millions of Americans to die from a lack of health care while he transfers millions of dollars in tax cuts to corporations. Well, it's bad that he transfers money. He should not transfer money. No one should transfer money. Nobody should transfer anything since it's not a word. But in any case, Ilhan Omar going right off those rails. And then she goes even further. And she goes even further. She's, she starts listing off Trump's supposed sins and she can't even get these rights. Like, guys, it's not hard. <laughs> really, Trump says a lot of stupid crap routinely. And they can't help themselves. Instead, you've got Ilhan Omar going, you know, probably he was trying to design the V2 missile that was used by the Nazis to attack London. And Ilhan Omar is going way over the top here. Here she is talking about and, and mischaracterizing every comment that the president has ever made, pretty much. It's pretty amazing. This is a president who's called plat- black athletes sons of bitches. This is- no, he did not. He said that Colin Kaepernick was a son of a bleep, which is a contention with which I generally don't agree. I don't like that characterization. He suggests that people who kneel for the national anthem are sons of bleeps. I don't like them doing that, but I think the language is inappropriate coming from the president of the United States. But he did not call all black athletes sons of bleeps. That's a lie. She can continue. This is a president who has called black people who come from black and brown countries holes. Okay, it's a lie also. That is not true. He suggested, and it was, it was you know, What he suggested is that there were a bunch of countries in Africa that were bleepholes. Okay, that is true. That is true. There are a lot of bad countries in Africa. Okay, Somalia is a bad country. It's a badly run country. He did not say that everyone who is coming from those places is a bleephole. That is not what he said. So that's not true either. Then she continues. This is a president 
who has equated neo-Nazis with those who protest against them in Charlottesville. Okay, that is again not true. The president's big sin in Charlottesville is that he didn't specifically call out the neo-Nazis, but he condemned the neo-Nazis. He also condemned Antifa. And his big mistake in Charlottesville is that he suggested that there were good people marching with the people at Charlottesville who were in that crowd. And that part was not true. Okay, so she can't even get that part right. Because everybody has to seize defeat from the jaws of victory. It's unreal. It's unreal. And then it gets even worse. Okay, ready? It gets even worse. We're going to get to that in just one second. First, I'm too busy to go to the post office. Okay, the last time I went, I got this giant parking ticket because there's only one thing the city of Los Angeles is good at. No, it is not making sure the law is enforced. It is making sure that I don't park six inches in a red zone. It costs like a hundred bucks if you do that. So am I going to the post office anymore? No, instead I'm going and I'm using stamps.com. It's fast and it's easy. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Office directly to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, you just hand it to your mail carrier or you drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Over 700,000 small businesses are already using Stamps.com. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale, no long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on that microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That is Stamps.com. Enter Shapiro for that special deal. It is indeed a fantastic deal. And again, you don't want to get a parking ticket at the post office, so go make it happen for yourself. Alrighty, so it gets even worse for the squad. So the squad started off with Trump's divisive. Then they got to Trump's a neo-Nazi, white supremacist, bigot who hates black athletes. And then Ilhan Omar starts talking about how he is a bile of garbage, how the stuff is bile of garbage that comes out of Trump's mouth. This is clip 22. It's, it's, all, it's all a bile. It's, it's bile and garbage. Here they are. We can either continue to enable this president and report on the bile of garbage that comes out of his mouth, or we can hold him accountable to his crimes. The, 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 they say that it is, it is bile and it is garbage. Okay, and then they move beyond that. Then they move beyond that, and they reopen the battle they had with Nancy Pelosi. So one of the things Nancy Pelosi has been militating against from the squad, one of the things they've been fighting against from the squad is impeachment because Americans don't want impeachment. They say, you want to get rid of him? We have an election next year. We're not interested in impeachment because you have no impeachable offenses. And sorry, you saying mean th- him saying mean things to members of the squad, the poor babies, him saying mean things to members of the squad who are in- immensely powerful, have a huge platform, have a bullhorn, are shaping American politics in new ways. Him saying mean things about them, no matter how mean, that is not grounds for impeachment. It isn't. Okay, that's what Nancy Pelosi was saying. But the squad want impeachment. And that was one of the reasons why Pelosi kept saying to them, you know, guys, can you just like pipe down on that? Because it's a mistake. The squad just rushing in like idiots. Here's Ilhan Omar suggesting it's time to impeach the president. So it is time for us to stop allowing this president to make a mockery out of our constitution. It's time for us to impeach this president. Ah, the bile of garbage. Because he says mean things, we'll impeach him. As opposed to Ilhan Omar, who is a blatant, vicious anti-Semite, who says anti-Semitic things every five seconds and nearly got condemned by her own party, but they wouldn't because they're gutless. She's calling for impeachment. And then Ayanna Presley jumps on board. She says, I'm not going to refer to him as the president. He's not my president. Okay, 
I thought Barack Obama was a terrible president. I thought he was a garbage president. I really disliked his administration. Was he my president? Yeah, he was legitimately elected. That means he's my president too. Here's Ayanna Presley saying, he's not my president. Yeah, let's see how this is gonna play. From our colleagues to our neighbors, we are grateful for your solidarity, your encouragement and your support in the face of the most recent xenophobic, bigoted remarks from the occupant of our White House. I will always refer to him as the occupant as he is only occupying space. He does not embody the grace, the empathy, the compassion, the integrity that that office requires and that the American people deserve. Okay, so he is not, he's not my president. So this is, the, this is what they want to do? This is the direction they want to go? And then Rashida Tlaib, she joins the crowd. She says, yeah, it's time to impeach Trump. Let's impeach him, man. So you're going to reopen this battle with Nancy Pelosi. So just to trace this arc, we went from AOC at war with Nancy Pelosi to Trump at war with the squad. And now we're going to be back at the squad at war with Nancy Pelosi. It's going to be fantastic. Here's Rashida Tlaib calling for impeachment. Many members of Congress have called for his impeachment because of his utter disregard and disrespect of the United States Constitution. And despite this and other many attempts to distract us, I remain focused. We remain focused on holding him accountable to the laws of this land and accountable to the American people. I urge House leadership, many of my colleagues, to take action to impeach this lawless president today. Okay, so this is going to be now the squad going back toward Nancy Pelosi. Again, the, the the cycle of stupidity. It's the circle of dumb. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And yet all too believable and all too wonderful. It is the sewage flowing back up through the drain of our guest house shower. That is our politics. It is the dumbest nonsense in the world. Okay, and as we will see, it's kind of what President Trump wants. They just gave President Trump what he wants because now the battle is between Trump and the squad. You know who Americans like less than Donald Trump? The squad. We're going to get to that in just one second. First, hiring used to be hard. Not anymore. When someone makes the slightest, most minor, most insignificant mistake here on the Ben Shapiro show, unless they are Michael Moles, they know how easily we can replace them thanks to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire is where you can try it out. Now listen, it's not just about getting rid of people who suck and replacing them with people who are better. Sometimes it's just about finding great employees. ZipRecruiter sends your job posting to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. As applications roll in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one. They spotlight the top candidates, so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the very first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Why waste time on all these job boards when you can do it with basically a click? Check it out right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. We here at The Daily Wire use ZipRecruiter. There's a reason. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. So in a second, I'm going to show you President Trump and how he has morphed his argument now and how the Democrats are stepping directly into the argument. It's unreal, unreal. But first, you're going to have to go and subscribe over at Daily Wire. When you do, you get all the goodies. You get the rest of the show live. You get two additional hours of the show every afternoon. If you're a Media Matters subscriber, you get to clip my show and then use it to jazz up your base. I mean, all sorts of goodies for you when you subscribe. You can also... When you get the annual subscription, get this, the very greatest in beverage vessels, the leftist tiers, hot or cold tumbler, overflowing anew every single day. It's pretty incredible. You go check all of that out. You get our Sunday special early on Saturday. You get to be part of our mailbag on Fridays. 
all sorts of goodies when you become a subscriber. Also, you're helping us insulate ourselves from the vicissitudes of the nasty left who seek to destroy the show on literally a daily basis. When you become a subscriber, you're joining the team and making sure you can get the content you love. Go over to dailywire.com right now and subscribe. We're the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All right, so the Democrats now pushing for impeachment. So President Trump is pushing back and he's shifting his argument. So his argument is shifting from they should go back to their home countries, which was his original controversial tweet, to if they don't like the country, they can leave. And while I don't typically like this sort of language, I don't like, like if Barack Obama had said, anyone who doesn't like my administration can leave. Anybody who doesn't like the country, well, they can take off. The problem is that the the argument is so malleable that can, it can be applied to virtually anyone. Like what sort of criticism is so bad that people should? Now, I do think that there's criticism of the country that is so ridiculous, like let's overthrow the Constitution, right? Like they, like America is deeply, innately, unchangeably evil unless we destroy everything and erect a different utopian scheme. That sort of stuff is is actually in line with the, if you don't like anything about America, what the hell are you doing here? I get the sentiment for sure. But the problem is the argument is too malleable. But it is also an argument that is going to, the the, the elasticity and durability of that argument are going to rely heavily on who you're targeting with it. So in other words, if you say about somebody like Noam Chomsky, if you don't like the country, you can take off any time. That has a little bit more weight than if you just say about Chuck Schumer, if you don't like the country, you can take off any time. In other words, the more radical you are, the more you want to overthrow the fundamental essence of the United States, the more that argument carries weight, the more that emotional appeal carries weight. Well, then you got to pick your targets specifically. And President Trump has done that with people like Ilhan Omar, who speaks horribly about the United States. When's the last time you heard Ilhan Omar say something nice about the United States? It really, she doesn't do it very frequently, and Trump knows this. You know, she, she, what, Ayanna Presley is going around saying that you're not truly black if you don't agree with her. That's not a great thing. So President Trump picks radical. He, he's not picking the Democratic Party now. And it's not hard to find them. He's going and he's finding the, the worst nuts in the Democratic Party. And then he is saying, those people should leave. And then the entire Democratic infrastructure is coming around those people in defense. And Trump has now turned this into a fight between Trump and who, Ilhan Omar and AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley? That's a fight Trump wants. And this is the argument that he was making yesterday. If they don't like the country, they can take off. Well, they're very unhappy. I'm watching them. All they do is complain. So all I'm saying is if they want to leave, they can leave, John. They can leave. These are people that, in my opinion, hate our country. Now, you can say what you want, but get a list of all of the statements they've made. And all I'm saying that if they're not happy here, they can leave. They can leave. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure that there'll be many people that won't miss them. But they have to love. They have to love our country. They're Congress people. OK, so the truth is, one of the reasons that this argument is kind of dumb is they're elected. So people voted for them and they just magically appear in Congress by themselves. But the argument carries emotional weight dependent on how radical these Democrats decide to be. Trump says, listen, it's not good for the Democratic Party that they're rallying around these figures. These are people that hate our country. Hey, John, they hate our country. They hate it, I think, with a passion. Now, it's possible I'm wrong. The voter will decide. But when I hear the way they talk about our country, when I hear the anti-Semitic language they use, when I hear the hatred they have for Israel and the love they have for enemies like Al-Qaeda... Then you know what? I will tell you that 
I do, I do not believe this is good for the Democrat Party. Certainly it's not the party that I've known over the years. And you can hear the media, of course, shouting about all this. This is the fight Trump wants. I mean, this is what he wants, right? And he tweets about this because President Trump never says the quiet part quietly. He always says it out loud. So he says the Democrats were trying to distance themselves from the four progressives, but now they are forced to embrace them. That means they are endorsing socialism, hate of Israel, and the United States. Not good for the Democrats. As he put that out on Twitter. And here's the thing. The, the way that that argument plays is going to be largely dependent on how these Democrats act, because now he's specifically calling them out. Now, when he refers to al-Qaeda, what he's presumably referring to is a clip of Ilhan Omar from several years back when she was discussing terrorist groups and she was sort of mocking the idea that we should take al-Qaeda and Hezbollah and Hamas seriously. It's a really off-putting clip. It's pretty terrible. So Ilhan Omar yesterday at this press conference was specifically asked whether she would condemn al-Qaeda and whether she was a communist. And here was her answer. Respond to some of the president's specific claims, most notably that you're a communist and that you're pro Al Qaeda. You might have noticed how, when he said "go back to where you came from," there was an uproar um, through the um, through all of our communities because every single person who's brown and black, at some point in their life in this country, heard that. Now, when he made the comment, uh, I know that every single Muslim who has lived in this country and across the world has heard that comment. And so I will not dignify it with an answer. Okay, so she won't dignify it with an answer. Imagine if Trump were asked that question. Really, imagine if Trump were asked that question about the KKK. We don't have to imagine it happened. And it was a massive uproar during the 2016 campaign. He was asked, there's a person from, all, from, from the KKK, David Duke, who has expressed support for you. What do you have to say about the KKK? What do you think Trump would have done if he had said, I'm not going to dignify that with a response? What do you think the media would have said? They would have said, well, why not? Why don't you just condemn them? So why doesn't? And literally yesterday, AOC tweeted out, she tweeted out that if you were silent about Trump's comments, that meant that you approved of Trump's comments. So here is Ilhan Omar saying, I'm not going to dignify a question about whether I am in favor of Al-Qaeda with a response. She did write a letter back. Like, I'm not saying she's pro-Al-Qaeda, but she's not answering the question. She isn't. Okay, and the fact is that she did, in fact, write a letter in support of shorter terror sentences for people who were trying to join ISIS just a few years back, suggesting that, that ISIS were radical change makers. And we read the letter on air. It was printed in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. And then, the, all of the, again, the, the, the juxtaposition is Trump declaring that these women are America haters. And so this is when you would assume that they would say, listen, we love America so much. America is a wonderful place and Trump is ruining it, right? That's, it's an easy answer. But instead, you get moments like this. So yesterday, as I mentioned on the show, over the weekend, there was an attack on an ICE facility in Tacoma, Washington. This attack on an ICE facility was carried out by an Antifa terrorist. Is a 69-year-old guy who walked up with a rifle and he had a, a propane tank and he tried to blow up a wall of the ICE facility. And well, Ilhan Omar was asked by a reporter from the rebel media whether she could condemn, whether she would condemn this attempted terror attack on an ICE facility and here's how it went. Will you condemn the Antifa attack in Washington over the weekend? It's easy to condemn terrorism. Will you condemn it? Is it Antifa firebombed a facility in Tacoma over the weekend. It's an ICE facility. Will you condemn them for that? I mean, can, firebombing a concentration camp is kind of a laudable thing if it actually is a concentration camp. 
You must be happy that they did it, no? Are you pleased? Should more people do it? It's easy to say no. It's very easy for her to say that she condemns all violence. How do I know that it's very easy? Because AOC did it this morning. So she was asked by the Daily Caller. So AOC's first answer was the same as Ilhan Omar's. She ran away. And so yesterday, AOC was asked over and over whether she condemned the Antifa attack on an ICE facility. And here's what that sounded like. Again, the reporter from the Rebel Media. Will you condemn Antifa for the attack in Washington? It's easy to condemn a terrorist attack. Will you be condemning Antifa? They firebombed an American facility. Will you condemn them? Okay, in total silence from AOC, right? It took her a full 24 hours to come up with, yes, it turns out a terrorist attack is bad. And then the same question was asked to Ayanna Presley and the exact same result. So here is Ayanna Presley asked to condemn the Antifa terrorists, again, by the rebel media, no answer. Really simple question. Will you condemn Antifa for attacking an ICE facility? It's very simple. Will you tell Americans not to attack violently ICE facilities? Just He's standing no. right next to her. I mean, she, it's not it like she can't hear the question. Thing to say, she just keeps walking. a long way to tell Americans that you're not sympathetic to Antifa. Okay, and nothing. No answer. None. And then Trump says these people don't like America? Okay, so what do you expect the American people to take away from that? These are very easy answers. If the squad wants to take the lead in this fight, this is an easy fight to make if you are willing to say easy things. But I'm not sure what I'm supposed to take away from the squad when you've got Ayanna Presley over the weekend suggesting that black people are not truly black unless they agree with her. When you've got Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, blatant anti-Semites. When you've got AOC, who has suggested that we have concentration camps on our border. And when every member of the squad who was asked by a reporter yesterday whether they would condemn an Antifa terror attack on American soil went totally silent. It's very easy. It truly is. If you ask me if I condemn a terror attack, you know how long it takes me to answer? Half a second, because it's very easy. It's supremely simple. This is what Trump wants out of this, and they're giving it directly to him. It's unbelievable. If 2020 turns into a fight between Trump and the squad, and it's just Trump versus the squad, that is the fight that Trump wants, and that's the, that's the fight they're giving him. Why? Because they didn't have anything like the political acumen to simply take a backseat and let Nancy Pelosi handle it. They could have just let Nancy Pelosi go out front and say, how dare you attack my members this way? These are duly elected members of Congress who are loyal to the United States. It's nasty to question the loyalty of people who serve in Congress. You can subtweet Elhan Omar there, who's done it repeatedly. But they couldn't do it. They had to be out in the spotlight. And just like President Trump feels the necessity to be right in the center of the camera lens, these folks feel the necessity to be in the center of the camera lens and they make a lot of mistakes and they don't look good and the American people don't like it very much. They find it incredibly off-putting as well they should. Again, you know, there are folks who are going to say, well, you know, they're not saying they're in favor of the Antifa attacks. Well, let, let me play you a clip of Chuck Schumer yesterday. So here's Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York. He said with regard to President Trump's comments, here was his logic with regard to, to Republicans who remain silent on Trump's comments. The president's comments demand condemnation from all corners of the political spectrum, all corners. But it's become frighteningly common for many of my Republican colleagues to let these moments sail by without saying even 
a word. So I'm left to wonder if the silence of many Republicans in the wake of President Trump's xenophobic tweets is out of embarrassment or agreement. Embarrassment or agreement. Both are inexcusable. Okay, so according to the Democratic logic, silence is acquiescence. Silence is acquiescence, according to the Democratic logic. If that's the case, then why are you remaining silent when asked if you condemn an Antifa attack on an ICE facility? Now, the real reason I think that some of these Democrats won't simply just come out and condemn it, or that it takes them 24 hours to do so, is because there is a segment of the left that is actually fine with the Antifa attacks on ICE facilities and sees it as heroic, namely the most radical wing of the Democratic Party. So Sean King, as they call him Talcum X, right? Sean King went on Twitter and he, and he named the, the attempted, they, they call him that, by the way, because he is extraordinarily radical on race and may or may not be actually a white person genetically. In any case, Sean King, he tweeted out that this so-called, that this Antifa terrorist, quote, just became the first martyr attempting to liberate imprisoned refugees from a for-profit detention center in Tacoma, Washington. His hero was John Brown, the white abolitionist who led the raid on Harper's Ferry in 1859. This is what our country has come to. So first off, as somewhat of an, a minor expert on John Brown, John Brown was fighting a thing called slavery. Slavery is where a bunch of people were actually enslaved against their will. You know what is not that? People attempting voluntarily to immigrate to the United States who are temporarily held in detention facilities deliberately underfunded by Democratic Congress people. Second, attempting to burn a detention facility in which immigrants are is not an act of heroism. But Sean King is actually in favor of the violence. Sean King is in favor. So Trump is just pointing at the Democratic radicalism and saying, okay, you want these guys? This is what you're going to get. These are the people you want. These are the people that you are going to get. Nancy Pelosi knows this. Why do you think she's been trying to minimize the impact of the so-called squad? The media know this, which is why they're begging for some sort of conciliance between Nancy Pelosi and the so-called squad. You know, the, the, they're, it, it's so funny. All the members of the media secretly kind of love the squad, not so secretly. And so they're begging Nancy Pelosi to lay off the squad. The truth is that they should be begging, they should be doing the Maureen Dowd thing. Maureen Dowd over the weekend was saying to the squad, guys, shut up, let Nancy Pelosi do this. She's a pro, you're amateurs. And that is correct. So somehow we have reached the point where the argument morphed from AOC versus Nancy Pelosi because AOC is radical and Nancy Pelosi is in this weird world in which we occupy space. And Nancy Pelosi is currently the moderate. That morphed into xenophobe Trump versus the entire Democratic Party. And now that has morphed into Trump versus the squad, which is the fight that Trump wants. And the squad is radical and they can't contain their radicalism even long enough to to limit themselves to that which is politically beneficial to them. And Trump is going right after it. Right. I mean, Trump is is Trump is making clear what he's doing here again, not hiding, not hiding it. He says, those tweets were not racist. I don't have a racist bone in my body. The so-called vote to be taken is a Democrat con game. Republicans should not show weakness and fall into their trap. This should be a vote on the filthy language, statements and lies told by the Democrat congresswomen, who I truly believe, based on their actions, hate our country. Get a list of the horrible things they have said. Omar is polling at 8%, Cortez at 21%. Nancy Pelosi tried to push them away, but now they are forever wedded to the Democrat party. See you in 2020. Well done, Democrats. Somehow you have spun this so that it's actually now, all this fades into the background. The actual content of the comments, because Trump says so many things, as I've said before, his epitaph is going to read, Donald Trump, 45th president of the United States, he said a lot of crap. 
all that fades into the woodwork. The only thing people are going to take into the ballot box is Trump versus the squad if Trump has his way. And apparently Democrats are just going to allow that to happen because they are incredibly dumb. Okay, time for some things I like, and then we'll do some things that I hate. So things that I like today, one of my forms of relaxation, of which I have needed some recently, is uh, reading baseball books. There's a, a good baseball book out by Kevin Cook called 10, uh, 10 Innings at Wrigley, the wildest ball game ever with baseball on the brink, talking about the, a game between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Chicago Cubs circa 1980. That The final score was 23 to 22. The Cubs were actually trailing by 12 runs in that game, came back to tie it, and then ended up losing it in the ninth. Dave Kingman hit three home runs. It's, it's a really fun, good book. I love sports books because there's nothing that is kind of more involving or distracting than, than sports. And so you can check it out. Kevin Cook's 10 Innings at Wrigley. You can go check that out. It's a lot of fun. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So the pandering grows strong with the Democrats. Marianne Williamson, who I, I will admit, I stan Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson is great because she says crazy stuff on a national stage. And when I say crazy, I don't mean politically crazy as much as she's very weird. And she says weird things a lot. And it's kind of kooky and fun. She was on that stage talking about how she was going to rope Trump with chains of love or something. It was pretty fantastic. She is now polling ahead of Beto O'Rourke in New Hampshire, which is just fantastic. Beto O'Rourke is the Steve Harrington post-high school of the Democratic race. In high school, he was the hair, right? In high school, he was the guy all the girls wanted to be with. He was the coolest kid in school. And now he's just an unemployed loser working at an ice cream shop wearing Navy shorts. And that, that's Beto O'Rourke. But Marianne Williamson has climbed all the way up to like 4.5% in New Hampshire, which is just phenomenal. Now, the downside to Marianne Williamson is that as a kooky person, she is also a kooky person. And she also, because she channels this sort of karmic leftism, she sometimes says things out loud that are weird. So she had an event yesterday, and this is pretty incredible. It shows where the Democratic Party truly is, where we are going. My goodness. And Marianne Williamson at this event calls on all the white members of her audience to surround the black members of the audience and then repeat a formal apology after her. So first of all, I'm not a big fan of people generally repeating what politicians have to say. I just think that it is creepy and weird. I remember Donald Trump did it in 2016. I critiqued it at the time. I do not like it when politicians say, repeat after me, and then you've got a huge crowd of people repeating after them. And unless you're actually taking a citizenship oath or something, it's really dumb. But this is even more ridiculous. Marianne Williamson informs all the white people in the room they need to apologize to all the black people in the room. And it gets very awkward. I'm going to ask the white Americans in the room to please repeat after me. <clears throat> on behalf of myself and on behalf of my country, To you and all African-Americans, African please hear this from my heart. This from my heart. I, apologize. I apologize. Please forgive us. What in the actual F? What? Okay, I've, I've had a slogan for the Democratic Party ever since Donald Trump won in 2016. All you guys had to do was not be crazy. That was it. You just had to not be crazy. And now you're having full struggle sessions where all the white members of the audience 
are having Maoist struggle sessions where they go up to black members of the audience, surround them in the creepiest possible fashion, and then inform them that they are apologizing on behalf of the country at the behest of a kooky spiritual guru like Marianne Williamson. By the way, I mean, it, I wonder how the black folks in the audience feel about this. Do they like it or do they not? Like if you're a black member of the audience, like if I were, let's say I were at some sort of event in Germany and all of a sudden a bunch of Germans surrounded me and they say, on behalf of me and Germany, I apologize to you. I'd be like, why are you apologizing to me? I wasn't here. You weren't here either, probably. Unless you're an actual Nazi and you killed a member of my family and you were involved in World War II, I'm not sure what you are apologizing for. Does she, does Marianne Williamson know the histories of anybody in that room? Like, does she know whether the black people in that room were actually descended from slaves, for example? Are they new, newer immigrants to the United States, like Kamala Harris, for example? Like Kamala Harris's parents, right? Kamala Harris was born here, but her parents were not. Um, like, does she know the history of any of the white people in that room? Does she know whether any of them maybe died in the Civil War, their ancestors? Does she know whether those people may be new immigrants themselves? Maybe they were discriminated against. But this sort of this sort of bizarre, quasi-religious politics, it's weird and it's off-putting, but I guess it's attractive to a certain percentage of the Democratic base. Marianne Williamson is the id of the Democratic Party at this point, and it is a weird place to be. It's very odd. Find the nearest black person and apologize to them. Really? That's where that's where we're going. That's not divisive on the basis of race, by the way, apparently. So that's that's good stuff. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, who, again, his entire campaign, the only reason he's in the race is to provide some semblance of normalcy, supposedly. Joe Biden's still holding to this narrow lead nationally. He's holding to a very narrow lead in New Hampshire. Apparently, he's in a near statistical tie with Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris. He's fallen behind Kamala Harris in California. He had a big lead a month ago in California. Kamala Harris is the odds-on favorite to win the nomination at this point. We'll get to her in just one second. But Joe Biden, all he had to do was not be weird. And he can't do it. So he was asked about how he was going to challenge President Trump. What would happen if President Trump challenged him on the basis of his age? Because Biden is less energetic as a person than Donald Trump is. Trump has some sort of connection to the upside down from which he draws energy because the man has never exercised in his life and he eats only garbage. And yet, like the flux capacitor in the DeLorean, he is powered by that garbage to an extraordinary extent. So Joe Biden was asked, how are you going to deal with Trump's energy level? And Joe Biden said, I'm basically going to be as weird as possible. He starts making fun of your age, your mental state. He starts going after you in ways that this is, I mean. I said, come on, Donald. Come on, man. How many push-ups you want to do here, pal? You know, right. I mean, jokingly. You know, come on, run with me, man. It's like I was in a, in a parade in Independence, Missouri. And I, and I always run in parades. That's the way I go back and forth. And this, I, a, a, a fellow from Independence who was a Trump supporter said, hey, Sleepy Joe. I said, come run with me, Jack. Come on, man. Um, come run with me, Jack. Come on. So Donald Trump would say to you, you're too old and you're kooky. And your response would be, let's do some old people push-ups. Let's, do, let, let's get out there. And I'll do like a pull-up with one hand. And then, oh. I... <laughs> All they had to do was not be weird. All they had to do was not be weird. And this is why eventually, when the 2020 race is over, it will be the ghost of Cecil the Lion who is president of the United States. Because all anyone had to do was not be crazy, and no one could do it. By the way, Joe Biden has lost it. He has lost it. Yesterday, he was on the campaign trail, 
And he is now repeating the same lies that he repeated back in 2012 about Obamacare. He's launching what he calls the Affordable Care Act 2.0, which does raise the question, what was wrong with the Affordable Care Act 1.0? I thought that was supposed to solve all our problems. It did not. Here was Joe Biden talking about it and using exactly the same lie he used the first time. How many of you have, when you were working, liked your, and you may still be working, many of you, how many of you like your employer-based health care? Did you think it was adequate? Now, if I come along and say, finish, you can't have it anymore. Well, that's what Medicare for All does. You cannot have it, period, number one. There's a hiatus spot in between, by the way, how long it's going to take. So I leave people the option. If you like your health care plan, your employer-based plan, you can keep it. If, in fact, you have private insurance, you can keep it. So if you like your plan, you can keep it. If you like your doctor, you can keep it. If you like them, you can keep them. Remember a person who said that and was lying to you? So Joe Biden telling the exact same lies. Yeah, that campaign is falling apart, and he's going to be bashed over the head about all of this by the other members of the Democratic Party. Well, that means that what this is turning into is a two-person race, and Joe Biden isn't one of those people. The two-person race is going to be Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris. Warren is picking up an enormous amount of support from the Bernie Sanders base. Bernie Sanders has fallen all the way down to fifth place in New Hampshire. He should be winning New Hampshire. New Hampshire is right next door to Vermont. He should be winning New Hampshire. He is not, in fact, winning New Hampshire. He has now dropped behind Pete Buttigieg in New Hampshire. So Bernie Sanders is falling apart. Elizabeth Warren is picking up support. Elizabeth Warren also happens to be deeply dishonest. This is one of the beauties about being a politician is that you habitually lie. So according to BuzzFeed News, Elizabeth Warren's campaign turned to a big donor to pay for the DNC voter database. Apparently, Warren relied on a multi-million dollar Democratic donor to cover the cost of an expensive voter database, a move that risks putting her campaign at odds with the spirit, if not the letter of the pledge she made to abstain from big money fundraising. In February, just two months into her presidential campaign, Warren set herself apart from the rest of the Democratic field by swearing off the kind of pay-for-play fundraising that typically gives wealthy donors outsized access and influence, according to BuzzFeed News. Warren officials now say she didn't violate that pledge when her campaign turned to one of California's top Democratic donors, a wealthy Silicon Valley physician named Carla Jurvetson, to help pay for access to a crucial voter database earlier this spring. That database cost about 175 grand, and she went to one Democratic donor who contributed $7 million to Democrats in 2018 and got the money from that person. So Elizabeth Warren, all in favor of small money donations until it comes time to pay the bills. Speaking of which, Kamala Harris has the same sort of problem. So we all know that Kamala Harris is truly dishonest. She's been dishonest on her position on federal busing, which she has switched several times. She's been dishonest on her position on getting rid of private health care insurance, which she has also switched several times. And now it turns out she is dishonest when it comes to raising money herself. According to the Associated Press, Kamala Harris bemoaned the influence of the powerful and connected elite last Tuesday when she called on top Justice Department officials to recuse themselves from any matter related to Jeffrey Epstein. She said their former law firm's work on behalf of the financier accused of sexual abuse calls into question the integrity of our legal system. And then she cashed the check. The same exact day, Harris's husband headlined a Chicago fundraiser for her presidential campaign that was hosted by six partners of that firm, Kirkland and Ellis, according to an invitation obtained by the Associated Press. Harris was one of several White House hopefuls to blast the handling of Epstein's case in Florida a decade ago when his lawyers negotiated a deal with federal prosecutors. But her decision to move ahead with the fundraiser hosted by Kirkland and Ellis Partners while criticizing the firm underscores the tension that can arise when a politician's rhetoric collides with his or her need to raise money to sustain a presidential campaign. So it turns out that Harris, while she was ripping Kirkland and Ellis, was taking their money. 
She was effectively Claude Rains in Casablanca. She is shocked, shocked to find that law is going on here. Here you're winning, sir. Thank you very much. So good stuff from Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren. So which of these candidates is best positioned to take on President Trump? Yeah, who the hell knows? I mean, it's difficult to tell at this point, considering how radical they are. Now, it would behoove the president to simply point at them. This is what he's now trying to do. He's trying to shift his original bad point on Sunday into a better look at that squad over there. Those guys are the worst, and they're the heart of the Democratic Party. That's a smart move by Trump. What the Democrats would be best doing is just pointing at Trump. So we could have a race in which they point at each other, or we could have a race where everybody just clubs themselves in the head, in the head with a wooden mallet until the little Tweety burbs appear around their ears. I have a feeling we are going to move toward the latter very quickly, given the tenor of today's politics. All righty, we'll be back here a little bit later today. We have two additional hours of content, a lot of goodies coming up for you then. So I'll see you then. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer, Jeremy Boring, senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey guys, over on the Matt Wall Show today, uh, an Antifa member just waged a terrorist attack against a government facility. Um, prominent Democrats have refused to condemn this terrorist assault by an Antifa member. It, of course, is horrifying that they refuse to condemn it. But why do they refuse to condemn? The answer to that question is even more horrifying. Also, Joe Biden reveals his stunning historical ignorance. And uh, finally, I'll explain why I think we should all stop watching Disney films. Don't call it a boycott. It's not a boycott. It's just a matter of self-respect. That's all. And I'll explain that today over on The Matt Wall Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 